Welcome to Fear Free Childbirth Podcast with Alexia Leachman, the weekly nine-month podcast to help parents-to-be look forward to their fear-free childbirth. Alexia is a pregnancy and head trash clearance coach and the author of Fear Free Childbirth, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy and a Positive Pain-Free Birth. As a mum who's had two fear-free and pain-free births, Alexia wants to share with you how she overcame her pregnancy and childbirth fears so that you can look forward to having a fear-free birth too. Over the nine-month life of this podcast, Alexia will be sharing some real-life stories from mums and dads, insights into the latest childbirth research, inspiring tales from birth professionals, and some tips and techniques for clearing your fears and stresses. If you would like to receive a free chapter from her book, then head over to fearfreechildbirth.com, where you can also sign up for her email series, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy. But now, it's time for the show. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I'd first like to apologise for the lateness in this week's podcast. I'm afraid I've been slightly distracted by a lot of the media coverage that I've been getting for the petition that I've currently, that I started a few months back for one of our main media outlets here in the UK, Channel 4, to portray childbirth in a more balanced view. You know that I've mentioned this petition quite a bit over the last few months. I've had some guests that have been really supportive of it and it hit the news this week and it's been all over the place and I've been on radios doing interviews and that kind of stuff and it's been pretty distracting, I have to say. So I've been really struggling to get this week's podcast out. So that is why this week's episode is a little bit late. So I'm really sorry about that. But we are getting much more support for the campaign. And that is really, really great. And certainly the message is getting out there that we really want to take away the fear out of childbirth for women, because it can have such a damaging effect on the birth experience. Anyway, today's show. Today's show, I've got a wonderful, wonderful positive birth story to share with you today. Today, I'm going to be sharing a VBAC story. Now, I haven't had a VBAC story on the podcast yet so far, but today's guest has just got such a wonderful VBAC story and she's an absolute delight to listen to. Today, I've got Elsie Escobar on the show and Elsie's a well-known podcaster over in the US and she's also a yoga teacher. She sort of helps. She's on several podcasts and she's a digital strategist as well and she has just got the most wonderful VBAC story. So during today's chat she tells us a little bit about her first pregnancy so we can understand a little bit of the backstory in her journey that you know that led to her VBAC and then of course she talks about her second pregnancy and, and the emotional journey and what that was like for her and there's so much really great stuff that she shares that I don't want to sort of say too much about it because it's just so great hearing it from her so I'm just going to leave it there and let you hear what Elsie has got to say about her VBAC birth story enjoy. Hello Elsie welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, hi. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm absolutely fabulous. Fabulous. So pleased to have you on the show. I'm so pleased to have you on. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I, I can't wait to have this conversation. I've been wanting to have this conversation for so long. So it's so good. I know. And it's great to have you on. Now, um, we're going to be talking about your wonderful, wonderful VBAC birth experience. But before we go into all that, just tell a little bit about who you are to the listeners. So they know who is Elsie. Oh my gosh. Well, as of now, I'm like, you know, labeling myself a digital media strategies. And so I basically work a lot um, primarily with podcasting 
peeps, primarily women. And I'm also like an industry personality of sorts, reporting on the cross-section of technology, media, and holistic living in podcasting for quite a while now. So I'm sort of like my own brand and do that kind of like hosting of stuff and hosting of shows, things like that, which I adore to do. And and I'm also a yoga instructor. So I've been teaching yoga for a long time. So there's a, a little bit of like a the reason that I, I kind of like navigate the cross-section between, you know, holistic living and, and the technology sphere. Mm, that sounds like a really great balance actually that yoga <laughs> with technology absolutely fantastic yeah so um now i would love to find out more about your first birth if that would be okay and your first pregnancy just so that we can kind of understand a little bit about your own journey your own pregnancy journey your journey through you know being a mum and all that kind of stuff so would you mind telling us a little bit about your first you know like your first pregnancy Absolutely. Um, uh, I got pregnant uh, a little bit later in life. So 36, that's not too late, but you know, later ish. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, at first, when I first got pregnant, I, my first, I was, I lived in fear for the first trimester because I just kept thinking like, this is crazy. I can't believe that I'm finally pregnant. And I just lived in this, in this, in this world of like, I'm going to lose the baby and, oh. and I don't want to get too attached. And, you know, I had all of those fears that come along mm. with, I guess, being a mama or conceiving at a later age mm. of, you know, the possibilities of miscarriage and whatnot. And so I kind of didn't really want to be too happy about about it because I, you know, I, I didn't want to be sad if I happened to, you know, miscarry. Mm. Thankfully, been, that didn't. I'm it, sorry, go ahead. Have you been trying for a while then? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so it's like a, like a, a, like, was it not an accident, but kind of, was it not planned in that sense? Or did life yes, just not go was, that way? Yes, it was just, yes, totally. It was, it was very, it, it was, it, it was perhaps the easiest thing in the world right to happen it's it's like of course this is what happens when you do these things and this is what happens <laughs> like there was no yeah yeah it was just d- a delight it was delightful but at the same time because it, it because it it carried so much weight mm. at that time again because of the age and there's really no you know time for these or the, the this is like sort of like the the general consciousness out there is that if you're an older woman your chances of having babies is so much less and so there's yeah. all of this stuff yeah. that is comes along with it right yeah. and so yeah. i had that embedded in my consciousness and therefore manifested itself as like fear for the first mm. entire you know trimester basically mm. i didn't move i didn't want to move i i mean i'm a yoga teacher so it's like i, I didn't even want to I barely wanted to even do like gentle stuff. I wanted to just let my body be. I wanted her or the baby to take at that time. Mm. And then once I got to my second trimester, I was like, yay, I'm pregnant. So that I was very happy about the whole thing was really great. Mm. Um, I was very in really good shape and I I felt like I was in really good health. And it, it was a lovely experience to be pregnant. I didn't really have any, any funky stuff happening no um morning sickness no I really had nothing that happened to me that was part of what a pregnancy should feel like or like Mm. uncomfortable things at all Mm. so it was really delightful um 
Yeah. So that was it. And I really wanted to have the most natural birth possible. Again, trying to align holistically with my, with my lifestyle. And I had chosen, you know, eating organic foods and making sure that um, I was being taken care of by the midwife center in Pittsburgh at that time, which is uh, not part of a hospital, really. It's kind of its own little thing. It's lovely. It's like you go into the clinic and it's a lovely little place with all kinds of amazing midwives that help you out. Mm -hmm. So I was planning on having my my baby be born at that midwife center, which is, again, its own little beautiful little birthing center. Um, And then come to find out around in my third trimester that my baby was breech. And we tried, again, every natural way to turn her around, although I found out a little bit late for some of the things like um, IQ, acupuncture, mm. um, and also moxie. Is yeah, that yeah, moxie. So I, I found a little bit too late about that also because I think you're supposed to start treatments for that around 35 weeks, and I think mm. I was a little bit later. Mm. And and so I tried everything. I mean, I, I found all kinds of websites. I'm not sure what it's called. There's one that's like all about turning babies around. Yeah, spinning babies. Spinning babies. Oh, my God. It was, so, <laughs> it was a fascinating. So I was like on the stage upside down (laughs) like I was trying everything and I could possibly do to turn my baby and she did not so our last ditch effort was to go get a uh, a manual version so they were going the doctor will manually then Mm. turn the baby around from the outside in Mm -hmm. and it is a powerful powerful you know thing that <laughs> yeah. happens so that's what I had heard I had heard that is a powerful thing and for you to be kind of ready to go into labor at that mm. time so that's why they wait until 37 weeks because obviously 37 weeks is when the baby is ready to be born mm. and um, so we went into the hospital again we were just going to attempt this version um, and I was kind of ready for possibly to go into labor but at the same time I was really positive that we could have her turned around at that time Mm. um and so we went inside and we chatted with the doctor and the doctor was very you know supportive of me and us and our choice and uh he explained to us that he needed to first try to take the baby out of the pelvis so from the again from the outside in he just starts to kind of manually massage his hands and try to pull the baby up wow uh, to see how far up he can get the baby. Uh, it's her little butt at that time. We knew that <laughs> she was a little girl. Her little butt out of my pelvis just, just to pull her up. And then to see, you know, how all the muscles in there. And then they were going to have to check to see how everything else was looking around my pelvis and whatnot. And then they will become, the, the version will be done. Mm. So it turns out as he starts to take the baby up and pulls her up, right? And, and it's, it is a powerful movement. Like I could feel like, uh, everything in there was like, oh my god! Gosh. But um, they started to check me, and he started to he checked my my cervix. You know, he was just looking inside of me, and he realized that he didn't see any light. And so he came to me and he said, you know, he was just like, I don't see any light. Um, I usually can see, you know, something. Uh, it, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening here, and I'm 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 sensing that I need to give you an ultrasound, uh, a vaginal ultrasound, to see what is happening. So I was like, okay, sure, whatever. So they put me, you know, I had to go to a different place. So I had to move from that place. We go to the ultrasounds and they did 
an ultrasound, a vaginal ultrasound on me, and they found out that I had an undiagnosed placenta previa at that Mm. time, which is when your placenta covers your cervix, and so the baby really cannot come out. And the reason it was undiagnosed is because in prior um, ultrasounds, you could see my placenta where it should be, but my placenta had three like random petals on it, like a paw. So it was like, you know, one, two, three. And then one of these three petals was covering the cervix. So you couldn't really see these petals. Uh, You only saw the the, the majority of the placenta in the front part of my belly. And so uh, that's what happened. And, and, And it was kind of crazy. And at that time, you know, the doctor said, it is super important for her to be born. Like right now, we're going to have to give you a, an emergency C-section because um, this is, I guess, general practice when you have pl- placenta previa that you do have to kind of like have a C-section. Uh, I think that's 37 weeks or possibly even 36 and a half weeks, something along those lines. I'm not sure what the exact uh, d- date was. Mm. And um, so we said, okay. So we felt completely powerless at that time that this was happening. I mean, it was 37 weeks where we were expecting another three weeks. We really didn't have anything ready. I had nothing ready (laughs) at that time. Being a first time parent, I I was not. And plus, we're very laid back. So I wasn't like, oh, let's we need to get everything ready for the baby. We had nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I can. can, (laughs) You know, we had just had our we had just had our baby shower two days before. Wow. So all of a sudden, you know, he was like, yeah, we're going to see if we can, you can have a C-section later on this afternoon is what he said. This must have been happening right around 10 in the morning, 10, 11 in the morning. And he said, you, you know, we'll, we'll keep you here and then we will have you in in this afternoon and you'll have your baby this afternoon. And we were like, okay, that gives us a little bit of time. But then, oh, because he had other patients that were also having C-sections that day. And at that time, you know, I was like, okay, we have a little bit of time to plan, at least to let people know, let my work know, let, you know, family know, let everybody know it was happening. And then I started bleeding. And so right when I started bleeding, they're like, you need to have this baby right now. And within an hour and a half, we had a new baby girl. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, hi. Wow. So it happened so fast. I was not prepared for having a C-section. That was obviously that was not the plan. No. Um, and uh, we were sort of like deer in headlights the entire time. We didn't really have time to call anybody to tell anybody anything. Um, you know, it was we were getting ready for surgery that entire yeah. time, mm. and all of a sudden we had a little baby that at that time was not ready to be born and. So she was frank breech. So her little legs were like sticking straight up. Um, and uh, so she she had a really hard time being out in the world for like, oh. gosh, almost a year. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, but, but it was crazy. So that was my story of my C-section. Wow, goodness. That, that, I, there's so much there that just sounds so intense on so many levels that I can't even imagine to... to well, I just can't imagine it at all. Yeah. How did you find... How did you find it in the aftermath of that experience? Um, uh, I was very pleased with the doctors there. I was very pleased with um, the the doctor that, you know, uh, gave me the C-section. Mm. The entire staff was fantastic from the hospital. They were incredibly supportive. 
of everything that we asked. And even though we didn't really know what to ask for at that time, it was just, they were really accommodating. Um, it was a really great positive experience in the hospital, I have to say. Reg mm. You know, in addition to, you know, being, not being able to sleep because people are coming in and poking you like every cycle, you know, every 15, mm. 20 minutes, mm. which is annoying. But, you know, for the most part, I was able to be with Hunter, my baby, and we, you know, I think afterwards I also recovered very well. I recovered very, very fast. Um, I, I didn't even take any pain medication, which was wow. very interesting for, for a lot of people. Mm. I was very adamant sort of to, to see what the level of pain was, pain was, and I think I only really took pain medication directly after, after I had the surgery itself, mm. and then after that... I really stayed with taking Tylenol whenever I felt a little bit of pain, but I didn't really have very much mm. uh, at all, mm. in all honesty. And I, I really took it to heart when they said you need to have a certain amount of time before you do any kind of uh, physical anything. Mm. I was very kind to my body, very supportive of my, of my healing. I didn't want to push anything. I, didn't wanna, I just wanted to be as, as strong as I could for Hunter. Mm. Now, yes, go ahead. Well, I'm just wondering, you said you recovered very quickly. Is that you're, you speaking about physically or are you speaking about emotionally as well? Or how was that if it was different? Oh, physically was really quickly. Emotionally, mm. it took me some time, which is a whole other story, which is kind of what I was going to allude to now. Mm. Um, I ha we had planned on having one baby um, simply because, again, the age and and our resources and all that kind of stuff, we had just planned on having one child. Mm. I figured that this was the experience that I was going to be having to, to, be, um, to go through the process of, of laboring and birthing your child vaginally. I thought that this was my only chance. Mm. So I, um, it was very, very, very hard for me. I mourned the loss of being able to vaginally give birth to my child mm. and to not have the experience that I wished I had. Um, in the past, you know, I, I had done a lot of research on birth stories. I had, I had, you know, become very adept at the beauty of, of labor and giving birth and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, um, you know, I felt that I really, really wanted to experience that. Mm. Come to, you know, come... And then afterwards, I did not have that experience. Uh, I felt that I was never going to have that experience, that it was just done. Mm. That was done for me. <laughs> so uh, I had a really hard time reading birth stories. I had a really hard time hearing the amazingness of what it's like to give birth to a baby. Oh, my gosh. It would, it would, hurt, my, it would hurt me because I felt like I can never have that. It was so hard for me to do that. So uh, emotionally healing, it took me a while. It took me at least a year, at least a year to be able to distance myself from the rawness, which was that loss for me. Mm -hmm. um, and how did, you, how did you do that? How did um, you get over it? What, what were you doing to help you cope? I think in terms of coping with that loss, it was really focusing on Hunter, on my girl, on my baby mm -hmm. girl, and being as present as I could to her. To her mm -hmm. and, and and seeing that her birth was as perfect as it could be and seeing that it thankfully we went to the to the hospital to do a version thankfully we did, mm -hmm. did that you know there were so many things that could have gone wrong uh, with what I had so uh, it was it was a blessing in disguise that all of these different things happened 
And so at first it was really all about her. And after a year, then it became about me. Then it was about me looking for support, looking to read things that might support the way that I felt, looking to find like-minded people who might have experienced what I did. And, and unfortunately, I didn't find that. <laughs> There is not much support for women who have C-sections out there who have had this sort of dream of having one birth and not having it. Mm. Uh, I've also, I also kind of felt a very distinct divide between women who choose to have C-sections and women who, who want to do everything in its na- in as a much natural state as possible. And it seems like they don't kind of mix with one another. It's either one core or the other. And uh, I felt sort of like less than mm. from the, the, you know, the community that had been given, you know, had been able to do a vaginal birth. And then I felt like I'm not a proponent of a scheduled T-section either or somebody who doesn't. I am a proponent of trusting your own body. Uh, and I love the fact that we, as a, a think, thankfully, uh, in the medical industry can help women have babies that in the past would not have been able to. I am a proponent of that, but not of just scheduling C-sections just because you can and you're just, you, you just want to have the baby on that day. You know what I mean? Which seems, and, and also the, the doctors kind of pushing them to some degree. At least I've heard mm-hmm. of that happening mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a really interesting way for me to, I had to figure it out on my own. I had to kind of you know, a, a connect with the woman in me, you know, yeah. the ethic myths and, and lots of healers out there that are just reading books that were empowering to my choices and really about forgiveness and mm. allowing myself not to, I guess I, in, in a way I blamed myself. Not that I, I kind of felt like I was less than, mm. that I, will, I would never be woman. Because I I hadn't had birth. I had not given birth vaginally. Mm. So I, I had to sort of work on that mindset. Mm. So what was the turning point for you then when you kind of, did you did you let that go eventually? Did you kind of face it? And uh, what, what, what was that kind of moment where you kind of could make peace with that? Or have I, think you, I, I don't know, have you, maybe you haven't. I, I did make peace with it. And part of it, part of it was mourning it. Part of it was really... I never voiced, I didn't voice this. What I'm telling you now, I, I, I think I told my mom much later. I think I told one friend. It was too raw. I couldn't speak about it. I, I would start crying. I, I could not talk about it. It was so such a deep pain that I felt. And it wasn't until I started talking about it and then allowed myself the morning time allowed myself to to be sad about it and that it was okay because at first I felt like I shouldn't be sad about it. I shouldn't be this triggered by it because I had a healthy baby girl. Everything was great. I was so lucky. I'm so blessed. You know, all of that stuff, looking at the good side of things. Mm. So I felt like I, I didn't have the right to even mourn it. And mm. this was like, so I kind of pushed those feelings away. And it wasn't until like, I, I'm telling you, it was at least a year where I started to speak about it and come to terms with with that loss. And I processed it out. So time time and, and giving it a voice really, really helped me. Mm-hmm. So then from going, you know, from sort of having decided that you were going to have one child to 
and then this experience how did it what, what kind of how did you get to then becoming pregnant again I mean I'm like, how did you get to because I get the mechanics obviously surprise <laughs> surprise all I kept saying was like I am a fertile Latina woman <laughs> this is why there's so many Latinos in the world because of the DNA that we have to Hell create yeah. babies so anyway yeah it was we it was yeah it was sort of <laughs> almost immaculate conception let's put it that way and all of a sudden it was like are you kidding me what so then but and so yeah it was very it was a big surprise very mm. big surprise <laughs> it was like oh probably uh two and uh, how old oh my gosh my baby must have been two so i had already kind of come to terms with not having a baby again mm. you know i was fine with not having a baby again and and then I got pregnant again, and it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have a second chance. So that was really great. Mm. That was really great. I had a second chance. And, and you know, it was the same. It, it was almost the same beautiful pregnancy that it was before, minus the fear of the first trimester. Mm. Because I was totally so much stronger and emotionally about being pregnant. I had been, I had walked this this path before. I wasn't afraid of my body as much. Because in the first pregnancy, it was like, is that okay? Should yeah. I be doing that? Yeah. Oh, my God. What is that feeling? Yeah. You know, like, everything was like, oh, my God, this is awful. Whereas this time, it was like, eh, yeah. but everything's <laughs> fine. That's just this, you know. Mm. So it was really, I was much more relaxed, so mm. much more relaxed about it. Mm. Uh, so it was lovely. And um, and this time, we I had a different type of caregiver. We went into a hospital because I had a different uh, insurance. So I went into a hospital that had a midwife wing to that, and they took care of me. But it's a completely different experience to go into a hospital rather than a birthing center run by midwives. Completely different. So and how, how, how different? What do you mean? Oh, my gosh. Well, the birthing center was amazing. It was like going home. Every time you go in there, I don't know. I love libraries. I love libraries. <laughs> They're my favorite. They're so, it was kind of like going to a library. It was like, there were tons of books everywhere, lots of cushy tape, like just, just um, sofas and chairs and toys for the babies and mm. everybody just didn't wear, you know, hospital gear. It seemed like you were going into a home, into yeah. somebody's house. I think it was a repurposed house and all the rooms, the birthing rooms, like the, everything was just very homey. Mm. Even the midwives, very homey very down to earth, very like, uh, not again, not wearing any outfits that, that, uh, showed you that they were, you know, medical people. Yeah. Um, so it was very, very down to earth. Whereas when you go in the hospital, it's a hospital, you know, mm -hmm. and even if it's a midwife center, even the midwives look, they look like nurses slash doctors mm -hmm. and they have to follow pro protocol. So mm -hmm. they, there are certain questions that you always get asked and there's certain things that they have to fill in to the computers and all that stuff. Whereas I found, I found the midwife center to be a little bit more analog <laughs> and I found the hospital to be a little bit more digital. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything was like in computers and there's all these gadgets and um, I thought that there was less connection with me. Mm. Yeah. I, as a mom, as a, a, as a human, as yeah. a human, it was more about the pregnant lady and asking the right questions, like how many, you know, it was more about data. Yeah. How many weeks along are you doing? Like, how many, this is happening? What's your weight? Da, 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 da. This is, it was all very factual. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rather than the midwife center, it was a lot more holistic in the way that they spoke with you. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I thought like, I, I had a lot of fear around 
having a VBAC because I had decided, and that's another thing, I chose this center because they were supportive of having a VBAC. Mm-hmm. And I was hell-bent on having a VBAC. So I was going to have one. And I thought, well, this, these people support it. This is great. And I was also, you know, careful because I didn't know. I mean, I had had a C-section. I didn't know how healthy it was. Um, not healthy, but how, how undangerous or how dangerous things were for me to, to have a vaginal birth in a way that I wanted to, which was at home. I wanted mm-hmm. to have a, a, a home birth. And I, so I, I really was very wishy-washy about making a choice of whether or not I was going to be going to the hospital to have my baby or whether I was going to stay at home and kind of take a chance uh, in a well-thought-out um, and researched chance to have uh, my baby at home with a midwife. And I, I, I was so wishy-washy that I didn't really make a choice until very late in the game. And so I decided finally to reach out to a midwife in my, in my third trimester of all things again. And so, I, but I did, I found somebody who was incredible. And she uh, came over to our home and she saw, and the minute she checked me, the minute that she uh, connected with me, I was, I almost cried because even like I think I did cry after she left because the connection that she had with me from one meeting was above and beyond the care that I've been having the entire pregnancy over at the hospital midwife center. Mm. And she talked to my baby. You know, no one had talked to my baby. Mm. No one had addressed my baby. She spoke to my baby. She asked permission from my baby as she was checking me, as she had her hands on my belly. And I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly what it should be. This is it. Mm. And so it, just that moment was transformative for me. Um, she gave me enough courage and trust in myself from, again, from that meeting that was just unbelievable and I was like I will give you as much money as you want (laughs) this is so great so but it was it was really incredible um so she was again another resource that I had by phone she was very available to me and so I'd made those decisions and that's what was going to happen so I was going to have my baby um at home I decided so how did that last sort I don't know let's say we're like maybe sort of three weeks away from due date for you how is how are those last weeks going for you now in in this pregnancy uh they were going pretty well um I was feeling much looser than in the first pregnancy which completely makes sense uh Mm. looking back right uh the first pregnancy I was very toned yoga mama Mm-hmm. With like, you know, really strong abs. And so everything was, had a hard time stretching. Mm. And I felt that that was perhaps, I don't know, a cause as to why uh, my baby Hunter at that time wasn't able to move around as easily as she could have inside me because I was so toned. <laughs> but she had no wiggle room. It was like, oh, mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? So she kind of got stuck in this position, which I feel is what, what that was like. So I was a lot more conscious of being less um, tight mm. in, in every part, in every level of my being. Tight in my emotional state, tight in my physical state, tight in the way that I wanted to run my schedule. I was mm. very loose and I really thought movement and openness. So I had a very loose 
third trimester. I felt very open and wobbly and and kind of like I was always walking on, you know, water. Um, <laughs> but what was really interesting because very early, again, I started to feel that in my second baby, May, was moving around an awful lot. And, you know, um, I started to sense that there was stuff going on. I mean, I had Braxton Hicks. Um, I, I felt them. I saw them. So I was like, well, there's that. But mm. there's other stuff happening now. And it had been now, um, it was... It was my midwife, I think, she came to check me either at the 30, 35 weeks or 36 weeks or so um, for the first that first meeting that we had and started to make plans. And then all of a sudden, I started in that 36 weeks to start to feel something was coming, not necessarily being labor, but I just felt a difference. You know, I felt mm. like, wow, this is a, a state that I've never made it to. Like, I don't remember this last time. Mm. and come to find out, you know, through my observations of my body, that it seems like I was in labor. And wow. so I talked w with my midwife, you know, and I was like, this is what's happening. And she said, well, watch yourself. This was on a Saturday. I just want you to, you know, just keep a tab on things that are going on in your body, what you're feeling and whatnot. I spoke with my mom, and my mom also was like, hmm, that sounds like, that sounds very close to what I went through, which was another, th oh, the, and now before I finish the thought, that was something else that I really mourned. The fact that I couldn't talk with my mom about having a baby mm. vaginally mm. and that we didn't have that connection because we never did. We, we weren't going to be able to talk about it. Yeah. So then that was really huge for me. That's why I, I, I kind of stepped away from talking with my mom about my experience because it was like, this is not what you went through. And this is not what I, like, we have no common ground here. I mean, of course, other than being mothers and everybody kind of feels that, but not the process. So anyway, then I started to talk and that's, you know what, now to come think about it, that it was when I started to go into labor that I told my mom how I felt before. Mm -hmm. That I was able to, at that moment, wo voice my, my mourning and my loss and my connection with her as my mom, as a mom, finally to be able to have, remember when you went into labor and remember when I went into labor? Like that conversation finally happened and it was like, oh, this is so great. This is totally what I wanted. But it was really hard for me to, to, to tell her that, you know, and she under completely understood. Hmm. In so fact, she cried. Is this, so, so you're at 36 weeks now, is that right? You're, you're at 36 yes. weeks, wow. I was at 36 weeks, when this started to happen, it was 36 weeks and six days. No, 36 weeks and five days Wow. when this was happening. And so she was like, it sounds like you are in labor and stuff. And I was like, well, that seems like pretty alert. And, and you know, I've heard of false labor. I mean, I had read about all this stuff. I mean, people could do this forever. Um, so I thought like, yeah, but something was just definitely different. I mean, I was in a different zone and I just was like, I'm going to, I feel like she's coming. I feel like she's coming. There was no pain. I just felt that she was coming, the way that she was moving. And maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe there was enough opening that the contractions, I had been having them and I hadn't really realized that they were that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that Saturday went through the whole day and I was like in a daze. I was like in a dream world. I felt like I had taken drugs. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh, I'm in a totally different zone here. I was looking at colors. Colors were different. A little bunny came to say hi to me and I was like, oh my God, a bunny. <laughs> and then of course I had to go look into animal totems, you know, like I was yeah. like, because everything has meaning now. Everything <laughs> became overly meaningful. 
Like, there's a bird. What does that mean? So anyway, the bunny came, and I went and I researched bunnies, and it had obviously something to do with, you know, reproduction and, <laughs> and all kinds. I was like, oh, my God, the bunny told me I was having a baby. So um, that night, <laughs> that same day, I started to download contraction apps. <laughs> because I wanted to start to test them. For me, I was going to be testing contraction apps. That's what I was going to be doing. So then I I had the, the, the I downloaded all these, and then I started to kind of figure and start to add up the contractions in there and see if that was really what was happening with my body. And, um, you know, through the night, I think I was having, I kept, I was so surprised. I was like, I think I'm having contractions. Mm. This is very strange. It was so very out of body to some degree, too. And so I thought, I told, you know, in the morning, I, I went through the entire night all by myself in my own head. And then around seven in the morning, I started to get up and walk around because I was like, I'm serious. I think I, to myself, right? I think I am having a baby right now. <laughs> and so I told my other half and I was like, you need to be ready because I think she's coming. And he didn't believe me. And so I was like, no, I'm serious. And so he went and started to get ready to, to get the house ready and all that stuff. And I called my midwife and I said, I think I'm I think I'm in labor. I think she's coming. And she was like, okay, well, she heard me go through a contraction, which still was not huge. It was just enough to make me go, whoa, right? But nothing enormous. And then she goes, okay, I think I'm going to come see you. She was about an hour away. So she said, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down. And I said, all right. And uh, and that was great. And I, I was going to ride that out. And then as I was lying in bed, all, I would say about 10 to 15 minutes after that, all of a sudden, I hear this gigantic pop in my ears. And I was like, what the heck was that? I mean, honestly, it felt like a big, I don't even know what that was. And my water had broken. So I had like, I was like, holy crap. What? <laughs> so I went into the bathroom and I had mercomium in my water. Oh. So when I saw that I knew what that was too you know so I was like well the home birth seems to not be happening now <laughs> and um I was yeah so then I called my wife and I told her and she said I will meet you at the hospital and I said okay and I would say almost as soon as I got off the phone with her I was on my hands and knees with the intensity of the contractions at that time because it was like from being okay and experiencing and being like, wow, this is kind of neat to, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, geez. And so I was, I, I, I remember opening the door on all fours because <laughs> Randy was outside and I was like, uh, we got to go now. And then. <laughs> How did you go to the hospital? Were you getting a taxi? Are you driving? What no, are you doing? he was driving. Uh, he was driving. He was just like outside. And so I literally, I just moaned my way through the hospital. And it was Labor Day weekend in the United States. So um, it was a holiday. It was fr It was a, that Sunday. Uh, Monday was also a holiday. So that Sunday, there was nobody around. So we basically made it to the hospital in 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, it was so fast. And... But I was obviously going into transition or something uh, that I don't know. And I'm sitting there, and since we had not planned to be doing a home birth, I mean, I'm sorry, a hospital birth, I had not filled out any paperwork or anything like that. Oh, no. So they had me sitting at a desk, filling out my information while I could barely sit. <laughs> and I was like, are you not seeing 
talking about what's going on? Am I, am I like, where am I here? Because this is so weird. And, I'm, and I have stuff coming out of me. So it's like, <laughs> how do you want me to sit here on this chair with stuff coming out of me? And oh, yeah. So anyway, that was like crazy. Yeah. And um, so then finally I filled out that information, which it seemed like it was forever, but I'm sure it didn't take that long. But because once I looked at the clock later, I realized it really wasn't that long. But I went in and they finally, you know, wheeled me into where the midwives were and, and they started to kind of check on me and, and look at me. I don't know how dilated I was or anything like that. I, I don't really remember the, the exact thing. All I remember is that they were like, how are you doing? And I said, I think I need to push. And then so they immediately, instead of ever going into a room, like your own, I guess, room, they took me straight into the birthing room because I was I was ready to go. And she, because my whole body, I had never felt something that strong before it was like uh yeah it's push time like there was no like nobody ever told me that it was just like okay push (laughs) it's time your body is telling you to get this baby out so or she was telling my body that she was ready to come out and uh so I stood there and and I honestly I think within the when we left home it must have been it must have been an gosh two I could tell like two and a half hours or something like that from when we left our house to when I had a baby. Goodness. And it was like, it was like huge, hugely fast is all I can say. Um, fast. And, and so when she came out, how was that? Did she kind of just pop out one contraction or was there? I, um, know, I like... think I pushed for like 15 minutes is what okay. I remember. So okay. it was like a 50, 15 minutes of pushing. And then um, there was a point there that Randy told me because <laughs> he was in the room. <laughs> This whole time he was in the room, of course. And he was saying, that baby's never going to come out. He said, <laughs> like the he last thing you want to hear. He never said that out oh, loud. Right. He was just telling me the story. Okay. <laughs> but then it was, he, he said that it was unbelievable. He said there was a point where he was like, oh, it's not coming out. And then within that breath, there was no way that baby was going to stay in. So, so he just saw the exact, like it was, he, I think it really blew his mind to be able to see something go from, it's not coming out to, oh my God, it's so coming out. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, it was amazing, you know, so she came out, um, beautifully ready at 36, uh, 36 weeks and six days, Mm. according to the doctors, according to, you know, the way that, um, everything was measured. Mm. although I don't particularly think that that was the case for her. I think that she was ready. I think that, um, you know, we can't really measure these things and we don't really know how babies, when babies are really fully cooked or not, but she definitely was like, she was in no way, shape or form a preemie. Right. Because I had had one before Mm. Hunter, you know, my first one was 100% a preemie Mm. developmentally. I could tell as an infant, there were lots of things um, in the beginning that were, you could tell that she needed those three weeks to get whatever it is that she didn't get. She needed those three weeks. So mm. she was always at least a month behind developmentally and almost did everything except her speech. Mm. She was, you know, but in, in her body, she was, she definitely had a harder time. Uh, and neurologically, like her nervous system was also very not okay for quite quite a while in fact and she's going to be seven now and now it's starting to settle mm. but may may was not may was 100 percent 
just ready to rock and roll. She, (laughs) she was just so ready, um, and completely together. And she, you know, she was amazing. Mm. Yeah. So how was the, I mean, you know, it all sounded like it was sounded like quite an adventure that birth, you know, sort of came very quickly and and traveling and then, you know, all happened so fast. Right. When you think about that birth now, do you, do you recall any sort of pain or do you recall any, uh, was it it intense? Was it hard for you or did you find it just, I don't know, was it, did you, was it easy? I mean, how, how was that for you? How was that experience? I felt that I was a vessel for some greater power that I had no idea because I felt I had no control. Like you completely like release to Mm. whatever is happening. Right. So there was something happening in my body that was above and beyond anything that I had ever experienced. And the only reason that I feel that it wasn't as amazing as it could have been, perhaps maybe a little bit more is because since I had never gone down this road before, I didn't know that the intensity that I was feeling and the sensations, and and I would qualify it as pain, but I didn't, it was a different kind of pain. Like, it's not the kind of pain that you get when you have a tooth pain, a toothache, and it's not the kind of pain that you get when you get, you know, a stubbed toe. Like, mm. that's painful. Yeah. But birth is also painful, but, but it's a different, it's a different style, I guess. I don't know. It's a different type of pain. So, I... I thought, you know, it's not that I couldn't do, I didn't feel like I couldn't do it. I just, I think I was more the intensity and the, and how fast it went that, Mm. that what happened is my adrenaline really spiked, um, into like fear because I didn't know if it was okay. I didn't know if this is what you're supposed to feel. Um, primarily because there was mercomium in the water as well. And I had heard, you know, that maybe there was something going on with, with the baby. Maybe she had an infection and that's why she was coming so early. Mm. Maybe, you know, maybe there was something wrong with her. Mm. Um, and, and I, I was really afraid about that. I, that was my biggest fear is I hope she's okay. And I hope that this is what, that, that what I'm feeling right now is not, is not something wrong. Uh, so that was, I think the part that was not so great, but other than that, I mean, if I would have had a guide to just tell me, Hey, it's, this is exactly how you're supposed to feel. Then I would have been like, okay, I would have been much more okay with it. I would have been Mm. like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm set for this. Mm. That's cool. Mm. If somebody would have just been able to say, she is fine. This is just the way it is. I would have been like, okay, cool. I'm I'm going, I'll, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and yeah. so in terms of the, um, you know, thinking about your first birth and then that experience having a vaginal birth, did you, when you, you know, when you sort of, everything had been settled and she's, you may be having skin to skin moment or that sort of post birth period. Mm-hmm. Did you sort of find yourself sort of thinking about your first birth at that moment or what was going through your mind sort of emotionally when you, were you going through some kind of healing or I don't know. I am- I don't know. I think that it happened after it was all done. I was just so happy that it happened the way it was, mm. that that it was, um, that I felt that May was ready, that mm. May called the shots, that May is the one that um, chose, it's, that she said it's time, mm. um, and that I was okay with the whole process. Yeah. Uh, so that was very healing for me because that, that was another layer too that I just thought like I knew how hard a hard time Hunter had coming out when she wasn't ready yeah. and having to nurture that and and it was really hard for us as parents 
to provide for her the womb for a long, much longer time mm. uh, for her, uh, you know, especially nervous in her nervous system. She was just a wreck, poor little thing. And so I saw how awful that was for her as a baby. And I was just so happy that May was able to call the shots that she was like, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm perfectly healthy. <laughs> oh. So that was really healing. And did all the, um, how did the post-birth period go for you then in terms of recovery and, um, I don't know, like breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff? Well, uh, we had something really bizarro kind of happen after May May was born. Like she was born so fast and I figure because she was born so fast, I guess my body didn't really have the ability to catch up. And what happened is right after she was born, my, my placenta did not come out. So I didn't have the afterbirth come out. Uh, and it just, it just didn't, I don't know exactly the exact reasons or I don't know how, but I know that I was approached right almost after afterwards. And I was told, you know, we need to get this stuff out of you. Um, it has not come out, so we need to take care of this. And I said, of course, I totally understand what happens to the body afterwards and everything. But they said, because you have had a, 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 a C-section before, our fear is that, there is a possibility that the reason that the placenta did not come out is because it's stuck oh. in the inside, you know, part, the scar tissue, if you will, mm. of, of your insides. So there's, a, there's that possibility, which is not so good. So they said, we need to take action right away. And so, <laughs> and this is what, it was just so hard because we're still in the, in the birthing room here at this time. Uh, Randy's standing there listening to this whole conversation as well. And then the doctor, you know, the female doctor, she comes up to me and she goes, okay, so here's the, here's the thing. Um, we need to get this out ASAP and you're either going to have drugs or you're not going to have drugs. You'll get a chance to choose that. But here's the thing. If there is an issue, meaning if the placenta is stuck to uh, the scar tissue inside of your uterus, then that means that we're going to have to give you a hysterectomy. Oh, my goodness. And just wipe you out. <gasps> okay? All right. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> and it was like, huh? And she was like, we need to give, you need to give us your approval. Wow. So it was like, uh, uh, what are you going to say? Right? Yeah. I mean, you have to say yes. There's no other choice, really. Mm. Um, so they said, okay. I was going to try it without drugs. They started to, you know, put their hands up and uh, I needed drugs right away because it's so much better to have a baby come out than anything else go back in at that time. So, so um, yeah, so they swept me out and they gave me drugs. Yes, they gave me drugs. It was, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it, I was completely 100% conscious and awake the whole time. But I was seeing things. So it was very weird. I like heard everything, but I was having like some kind of really crazy. It was like I was on some kind of, I don't know, I was, I was seeing things. <laughs> I was in a really happy, happy place. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Given <laughs> that is good to hear. So I was like, ooh, I'm getting my stuff taken out. Yay. So, <laughs> but I was in a happy place. And once, and so once that wore off, then everything was all right. I hear they told me everything was fine. Mm. There was no issues. Good. Mm. And there we have it. Whew. So I know, <laughs> I know, right? Jeez, so that was crazy. Yeah. Um, and my recovery from this was also very, very lovely. It was mm. like there was no real issues, other than like still until now. I think 
not emotionally, but my body does need to come back together. Like I feel that I was so pulled apart or so pushed apart and I didn't work enough to bring it back to center. So I feel very unstable in my pelvic area still Mm. now, you know, after four years, but that's probably less due to the birth and more due to the fact that I have not been concentrating on specifically physical strengthening, Mm. um, you know, exercises and things like that are that are very keyed in and focused so that is on me that is not on anybody else (laughs) so that's fine so if there's a yoga mum that isn't doing all those exercises post-birth that's okay I don't feel guilty now I don't feel guilty that I'm not doing mine either I know see (laughs) but it does matter later on I figure you know give yourself a break take a year off but then start to really be conscious of doing your Mm. your strengthening core work particularly inner thighs and like lower pelvic exercises and lower Mm. abdominals and things like that that just Mm. really really need to stabilize you yeah yeah and I think I started doing that this week actually following a YouTube yoga session with yoga with Adrienne good for you (laughs) i know coming up to the year after my birth so i feel like i really ought to start getting that pelvic floor back in order yeah it seems to be a good time (laughs) yes totally well um elsie it's been fascinating listening to your journey and and certainly the the coming back you know having the 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 beautiful v-back and and the wonderful birth you know even though your first one didn't go the way it did the fact that you're able to think about it so positively is Uh, just so wonderful and so you have had two just wonderful births and that's just lovely to hear really really lovely to hear so thank you I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories and I hope that other mums that have had cesareans that have got a that really want to go for VBAC are just inspired by hearing your journey I do hope so too you know it's 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 absolutely 100% possible Mm. Um, and you just have to get the supportive voices around you Mm. to to give you what you need to have the birth that you want and as and as much as you can of course because hearing my stories I didn't really necessarily have the birth that I wanted but Mm. they were both perfectly what they meant were meant to be yeah and part of it is is mindset and part of it is preparation and then um, let yourself ride the big waves (laughs) (laughs) and then just being I think one thing that I really took away from what you were saying as well is that that being okay with kind of facing up to not feeling so great and not mm-hmm. having to not feel like you have to sort of not be able to talk about it or brush it under the carpet but being okay yep. with like you said giving it a voice and starting to talk about it was the beginning of your own healing journey so sort of you know maybe encouraging women that have had that journey to sort of really seek out that support talk about Absolutely. it with somebody and yep. really maybe sort of face it even if it is unpleasant and really kind of sit with it let those feelings rise and and sit with them and acknowledge them um, to allow you, you know, to process it really rather than kind of deny it or hide it or put it to one side. It's so important. That is so key. Good, mm. good, good way for bringing it back because it, it and don't expect it to happen overnight, mm. um, which is another, especially if you have any kind of negativity attached to things, mm. let yourself be okay with not touching it for a while mm. and give yourself the space to maybe just deal with a little bit of it. Mm. And, and choose, again, people who can support you, uh, even just hearing what you mm. have to say. Mm. Uh, take your time. I, I mean, for me, time was perhaps the key X factor in being able to move through it. Mm. Because if I would have wanted to, like, you know, get it over with and I'll, I, should, I should be okay with this, mm. uh, it probably wouldn't have happened as it did. Mm. And then I love the fact that being a yoga mum, and obviously when you were experiencing early labour, <clears throat> instead of sort of maybe bouncing around in your Swiss ball, because you're a digital 
lady as well. You're <laughs> downloading apps. <laughs> so, uh, that was yeah. so funny. <laughs> I, I can't that. even tell you. It was such a... It was so funny for me. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do, like, my thought process at that time was like, I'm going to do review on all of these different apps, (laughs) is what I was thinking. What the heck? Who does that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, brilliant, brilliant. So, yeah, thank you so much, Elsie, for coming and sharing your story. It's been absolutely fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed Elsie's V-back story. It really, really was wonderful. I certainly felt myself choking up during that interview because it was just so, well, I don't know, just so emotional, so powerful and such a wonderful, wonderful story. Um, so do let me know what you think. If you, you know, if this is going to, if you want to have a V-back, then let me know how you're feeling about that. You know, come and jump on the Facebook page, private message me if you want, Alexia at fearfreechildbirth.com. I do respond to all emails. Now, over the last few weeks, I have been mentioning that I'm going to be launching or releasing a, a free three-part video training series if you want to clear your own childbirth fears so that you can have a, an amazing positive birth experience or at least a fear-free birth experience. And so if you want to be on the waiting list for that, then you can find that at the uh, podcast show notes for today. There'll be a little banner so that you can just click on the box and get your name on that list so that you can be one of the first people to get the free video training. Okay, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in. You've just been listening to Alexia Leachman from the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. If you enjoyed the show, she'd really love it if you left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or shared it with a friend. And don't forget, to get a free chapter from her book, head over to fearfreechildbirth.com to get your copy, as well as finding other episodes in this podcast and more about how Alexia can help you with pregnancy and birth preparation coaching. Until next time.